Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Last week, I kind of started my message by relating a well known story about a professor who was teaching a session on time management. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to retell that story today. If you want to hear it, then you can go check out the video archive of last week's message, or you can buy Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and it's in there. And that's a great book to have in your library, by the way. But uh, this this, uh, presentation that this professor was making, he utilized a, a visual aid, and, and he had a jar, and, and the, the, the principle of the object lesson that the professor shared was he had some big rocks, and, and if he was going to be able to get those rocks into the jar, they had to go in first. You couldn't put the gravel in, you couldn't put the sand, you couldn't put the water in first. The big rocks had to be placed in the jar first, otherwise you wouldn't be able to get them in the container. And so, uh, you know, they, they've got, there's some things that if, if they're of a higher priority, then you've got to treat them that way. Things that matter, you've got to make sure that you get fit in to your life. And so I took that illustration and that story and likened it to our new vision statements. Uh, and, and that these kind of are some of the big rocks here at the Life Church. These are some things that as your pastor, as the pastoral team, we are telling you these matter. We need to get this. If we don't get a lot of other stuff, we need to make sure that we get this. We need to make sure that we reorder our priorities from time to time and that we come back to these vision statements and kind of do an evaluation. And so last week I preached about the first two of our three new vision statements. And I wonder if anybody here can tell me what those two statements are. All right. Some of you remembered. The rest of you, we hope you get it today and in the weeks ahead. But love God and love people. And if you're wondering what that's about or where that comes from, well, according to Mark chapter 12, verse 29, it says, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, here it is, the first one, the great commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Everybody say love God. That comes first. That's a big rock. We got to make sure that's the top priority. Then in that same chapter, the next verse, verse 31 says this, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say love people. Love God, love people. And then it finishes off by saying, there is no other commandment that is greater than these. These things are of high priority. These things are of the utmost importance. These things matter. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that all the law and the prophets, they hang on these two commandments. 
So we've got these, these two value statements, these commandments taken straight from Scripture. Love God. Love people. And these commandments converge to produce a mandate of what should come next in the life of every believer. And that is that we should make a difference. Because we love God and because we love people, there ought to be a natural, organic process that our lives are mattering, that our lives are impacting others, that with our lives, with the breath that we've been given, with the energy and the talents and the giftings and the abilities we've been granted from on high, that we should make a difference. So I'd like to continue this vision series with our third vision statement today, which is make a difference. Love God, love people, make a difference. Jude 22 and 23 says this, and if you're trying to follow along in your Bible, there's, there's no chapters in Jude, just, there's just Jude. And uh, there's just one, one, one little section there, small short book, Jude 22 says, and some have compassion. And because they have compassion, what are they doing? Can we put the King James up there, by, what, by the way? That's the verse that I was looking for here. The King James says it like this. And some have compassion, making a difference. That's what compassion ought to do. That's what compassion ought to result in. When you have compassion, you make a difference. Here's what the next verse says, verse 23. And others, you save them with fear, doing what? Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Church, that is our mission because people are lost. People are away from God. People are separated from the Lord and they're on their way to hell. And because we have been saved, because we have been redeemed, we have a responsibility. We got to begin to pull some people out of the fire. We need to make a difference with our life. Hallelujah. The spirit that he gave us isn't for us to hoard. The blessings that God has granted us isn't for us to keep to ourselves, but they're to share. They're to tell others about. They're to pull people out of their demise, out of their destitute situation, out of the fire, to pull them out of the miry clay so their feet can be set up on a rock. So as Christians, as Christ followers, we should have compassion and make a difference. Philippians 2 and 20 says this, I have no one else like Timothy. This is Paul speaking, talking to the church at Philippi. I don't, I don't have anybody else like Timothy who does what? Who genuinely cares. I wish I had a whole bunch of people, but I don't have anybody like Timothy. Timothy gets it. Timothy is invested. Timothy will come alongside you. T Timothy will minister to you in your time of need. Timothy genuinely cares about your welfare. Verse 21 says this, all the others, they only care about themselves. 
Timothy genuinely cares. Everybody else, they're all wrapped up in in self. They're self-absorbed. They're self-focused. They only care about themselves, and they don't care about what matters to Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, let me just say it like this, and I'm going to repeat this several times today because I want this to to drill down deep in our spirits. But church, if you say that you care, but you don't act upon that, that means you don't really care. If your mouth's moving but your feet aren't, then there's a disconnection because caring is not just an emotion. Caring is not simply a feeling. Caring is an action. Compassion, that word compassion, you know, you want to know what it means? It means love in action. So if you want to have compassion on somebody, then you've got to take the next step and make a difference in their lives. Oh, hallelujah. Caring and compassion demand action. In fact, I would argue all day long that in order for compassion to be real, it has to be put into action. Here's what compassion means. It means love and action. It means to feel deep sympathy. It means to ache so much on the inside that you are moved to action. You just got to do something. You you just got to get involved. You you just got to find a way to connect. You've just got to do something. As a matter of fact, every time we see Jesus feeling compassion, the Bible says on multiple multiple occasions that he was moved with compassion because that's what compassion ought to do to you. It ought to move you. You shouldn't be static with compassion. You ought to move with compassion. Amen. And that's what Jesus did. Every time that he had that feeling of compassion, immediately it was followed by action. Every time scripture says that Jesus had compassion on someone or compassion on a group of people, it was immediately followed by telling about what he did about it. In fact, let me give you a few examples. In Matthew 14 and 14, it says that when Jesus went out, he saw He observed, he witnessed a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. And then what did he do? Come on, I know more than you out there can read. Got it on the screen for you. Play along. He was moved with compassion, and then what did he do? Yeah, he did something about it. He acted. He healed their sick. He didn't only feel their need, sense their need, or see their need. He acted on the need. In Matthew 20, 34, I'm going to get you to help me again. Just a little heads up. Don't want to take anybody off guard. All right. Audience participation. Verse 34 says, so Jesus had compassion But he didn't stop there. What did he do? He touched their eyes. 
He had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. When he had compassion on them, he didn't just feel it. He acted on it. He touched them. He healed them. He ministered to them. He made a difference for them. In Mark 6, 34, we read, get ready. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So what did he do? He started teaching them. He saw their plight. He saw their condition. He saw that they were wayward. He saw that they were without direction. He saw that they needed guidance. He saw that they needed some shepherding. And so he didn't just see them and leave them in their state. He didn't just see them and leave them in their in their condition. No, he began to expound. He began to impart. He began to minister to them. He didn't stop with a feeling. He acted. Again, church. To say that we care but not act is to really not care at all. Let, let me put it this way. The closer that we get to Jesus, the more that we ought to care about the things that Jesus cares about. Can I get an amen on that? The closer you get in your relationship with the Lord... What he loves, you ought to begin to love. What matters to him should begin rubbing off on you. The closer you get to the Lord, you begin to care more about the things that he cares for. And then this is what happens. The more that we begin to care for the things that he cares about, guess what? Then we begin to draw closer to him. Oh, hallelujah, if you'll just get busy doing the things that matter to God, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find yourself walking in harmony, walking in relationship with him like never before. Why? Because you're doing what matters to the heart of God. But you got to know, you got to know that the opposite is true as well. And that's that the further that you get from Jesus the less the things that matter to him are going to matter to you. The less that you care about what matters to him, then the further you're going to find yourself drifting from Jesus. Because to say that you care and to not act is really to not care at all. In Luke chapter 10, we read the story of the good Samaritan. There was this expert of the law. There was this Pharisee, and he was kind of involved in a dialogue, a debate with, with Jesus. And so he asked Jesus what was really a good question. And he asked him, he said, what do I need to do to be saved? And if you haven't asked that question yet, you need to ask that. Can I tell you the Bible has answers? If you've got questions today about salvation, the Bible has answers. And if you don't know where to go in the Bible, if you'll just let somebody around you know, we'll help you and we'll show you what the Bible has to say in response to that question. So that's how he started. What do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus did what he does so many other times. He asked a question back. He said, you tell me, what does the law say? 
What does the Bible say? What does the word say? And this guy responded, this Pharisee said, well, the law says, it's kind of what I preached about last week and got reading a few uh, reading a few minutes ago, he said, well, the law says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind, with all of your soul and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. To that, Jesus responded, you're right, now go do it. You, you know what the word says. You know, you comprehend, you have knowledge of it, you're aware. Here's what it actually says in Luke 10, 28. Jesus said, okay, you know what to do, now do this. Go do it. It's not enough just to think it. It's not enough just to feel it. You got to go do something about it. Church, in other words, we've got to do something if we're going to make a difference. Otherwise, all we're doing is having feelings every now and then. But if you want to make an impact on the world around you, you've got to do more than just feel or experience an emotion. You've got to get up and act. So the guy, the Pharisee, said to Jesus, Okay, I, I will. I'll do that. But before I do that, before I, before I do what you're telling me to do, I need to know who my neighbor is. Which neighbor are you talking about? Can, can, you get a, can I get an address so I know that's the neighbor that you want me to love? As my, who is my neighbor? Which neighbor are you talking about, Jesus? Are, are you talking about my next door neighbor? Are, are you talking about my classmate from chemistry? Or are you talking about the barista who makes my $4 latte every morning? Who? Who is this neighbor that you speak of? That's when Jesus shared the parable known as the Good Samaritan. Beginning with verse number 30 in Luke 10, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, and they wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. They ganged up on him. They beat him. They stole from him and they left him for dead. Verse 31 says now by chance a certain priest, today we might say it like this, by chance a certain pastor came down that road and when he saw him here's what he did. Instead of going over and checking out the need the Bible says that he passed by on the other side. Instead of getting closer to the situation, he put distance between him and the situation. Instead of meeting the need, he avoided the need. Verse 32, likewise a Levite, or a teacher you might say, when he arrived at that same place, he came and he looked, he saw. He probably even had a little bit of feeling of pity. Poor guy, look what they did to him. Somebody needs to help him. He's going to die if somebody doesn't do something about it. It's a sad situation. But the Bible says that he passed by on the other side. He looked, but it has passed right on by. Verse 33, but a certain Samaritan... These were the people who were the half-breeds. These were the people who were despised by the Jews, considered dogs by the Jews. And Jesus was not being, you know, this wasn't a coincidence here. He said this certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, the last person that Pharisee would think of to be his neighbor. 
the Samaritan. This certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he was going somewhere. He had things to do, but he came where this man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And that compassion compelled him to do something. So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper and he said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'm coming back and when I come again, I will repay you. Then here's what Jesus said to the Pharisee in verse number 36. So tell me now, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to this man who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And that's when Jesus replied, go and do likewise. So for the next little while, I want to try to kind of pinpoint and spotlight three points from this story. And the first one is this. We need to recognize that when we allow compassion to begin to work in our life, compassion interrupts. Compassion, number one, compassion is going to interrupt. Compassion is going to interrupt your daily routine. If you give space for compassion, it's going to interrupt your schedule. As a matter of fact, it's probably very rare that you wake up one day and say, you know what, I really don't have anything planned. I really don't have any responsibilities. I really don't have anything to do. So I'm just going to go out and look for somebody to help today. Would you say that's probably a rare thing or a never thing? Right? That's not really how it happens. That's not usually the way that it transpires. But generally, this is how it happens. God will interrupt our schedule by lining up a divine appointment in our life. He'll allow somebody to cross your path in the course of your day-to-day activities and duties. And he will allow something that you didn't plan. He'll allow something to arise that you weren't counting on. Something that was not on your schedule or task list for the day. And it's a divine appointment. It's a divine opportunity for you to make a difference. It's something that you didn't have planned, but God had it planned. God had a person with a need, and so he says, hey, let me kind of get out my GPS. Let me see where some of my kids are. Let me see where some of my sons and daughters are. Okay, I see I see him. He's going to be here at the bank, and so I'm just going to have, I, they're, they're going to be over here at the supermarket at the same time, so I'm just going to have them meet up. I'm going to have their lives intersect so ministry can take place. Oh, hallelujah. Here's how the story goes in verse 33 and 34. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he was going somewhere. He had something that he was doing. He, was, he had a destination in mind. He wasn't just out around wondering aimlessly, who can I help today? He was journeying, going from point A to point B, but he came to where this man was, and when he saw him, what did he do? 
he had compassion. But he didn't stop there. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. Church, what did we just see happen there? Compassion interrupted the Samaritan's schedule. There was a divine appointment that God allowed him to walk into and there was an interruption that he could have embraced or he could have dismissed. Listen, that Samaritan didn't wake up that morning saying, you know what, I'm going to go out and look for half dead people to help. But there was an opportunity. There was an opportunity to meet a need. Or he could have done like the priest. He could have done like the Levi and dismissed the need. But so often, that's how compassion works. It interrupts. That Samaritan had his own plans. He had his own things going on. Whatever it was, I can guarantee you, on his agenda for that day, that wasn't it. So compassion interrupts. In church, if we want to live out our love, our professed love, if we want to live out the words that we speak, our love for God, and if we say that we love people, then listen, we're going to have to be willing to be interrupted from time to time. It's getting a little quiet in here. Come on. We, we're, we're real good at mouthing things. But how are we about acting? Because I'm going to tell you, you can say you care, but if you don't act, it's not really caring at all. Because if you're always in a rush, if you're always pursuing your own agenda and your own schedule, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you never take time to deviate and miss a need then, uh, and to meet a need, then you are going to miss a God opportunity that he ordained for you. You're going to miss an appointment, someone he allowed to venture into your path. You're going to miss it. Well, I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I, I, I've got an agenda. You know what? Sometimes it's okay when something comes up for you to send a text. Hey, I'm going to have to reschedule that meeting. I'm going to have to call you later. I'm going to be in a little bit late. There's a situation that God has brought before me. There's a need that I believe God wants me to meet. As a matter of fact, here's what I believe today. And I'm convinced of this. I believe that if some of you will make up in your mind, hey, if God brings somebody into my path this week, if God brings a divine interruption, if he brings a divine appointment into my life this week, then I'm going to minister. And if you'll get that mindset, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to find it occur. It might be tomorrow or Thursday or Saturday, but if you'll be sensitive, if you'll say, hey, God, if you want to use me, I don't mind being interrupted I believe we're going to hear stories does anybody want to agree with me on that right now I believe we're going to hear, hey, you know what? I was just minding my own business, and all of a sudden I noticed this individual. I noticed this person, and I began to talk to him, and God opened the door. I believe somebody could be here in church next Sunday because of a divine appointment that you allowed yourself to be interrupted by. Oh, come on, somebody agree with me right now. Listen, 
You can be Jesus with skin on for someone. If you'll just be willing to be interrupted. If you'll just be okay with being inconvenienced every now and then. You can be an answer to somebody's prayer. You can be there for that coworker who's struggling with their marriage if you'll just allow, allow an interruption. You can be a source of strength for somebody who just got a bad diagnosis from the doctor if you'll just give them a little bit of time to talk to you and open up to you. If you'll be sensitive enough to the promptings of God, I'm convinced that he will interrupt you and he will give you a chance to not only have compassion, but he'll give you a chance to take action and to make a difference in somebody's life. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord right now. Go ahead and interrupt me. Go ahead. Clap your hands. Compassion interrupts. The second thing compassion does from this story is compassion costs. It costs. It's going to cost you something. When you make up in your mind to care, it's going to cost you. When you determine, hey, I'm going to get serious about this loving God and loving people stuff, I'm going to tell you up front. I'm going to level with you. It's going to cost you. This is what it says in Luke 10, 35. On the next day when he had departed, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I come back, I will repay you. Two denarii. We may not be real familiar with that. You know, dollars, cents, we get that. But how, how much is two denarii? Well, here it is. The, this is the equivalent of two days' wages. No small thing, right? That, that's, that's what he did. Two days' worth of wages he gave to that innkeeper to take care of this man, to, to, to minister to somebody that he never laid eyes on before. But that's not all, because he told the innkeeper to take care of the man, and that when he came back, he would reimburse him when he returned. I want you to check this out. This Samaritan, he didn't just get this guy and then kind of get him to the inn and then pawn him off in the innkeeper and say, you know what? I did my part. Now it's up to somebody else. It's not what he did. He stayed engaged. He went the extra mile. He didn't put it on somebody else to take care of it. He didn't say, you know what? Well, somebody else can pitch in now. Somebody else can minister. Somebody else can help him now. He didn't say, you know, it's all on you now, innkeeper. No, but basically what he said was, you know what? He needs to rest. He needs to heal a little bit. I've got some things to do, but I'm going to come back, and I'm going to check on him, and I promise you that when I come back, I'm going to settle all the expenses. Whatever you've had to do to take care of him, whatever medicine you've had to administer, whatever the night's rent of the room cost, I'm going to take care of it. Church, he was willing to care even if it cost him. Even if it inconvenienced him, he was willing to do it. Because to say that you care and not do it means you really don't care. At all. No, I understand today that we might not all be able to 
help somebody financially. I understand that times can be tough and you might not have overflowing bank accounts. I, I recognize that. But listen to me, that doesn't exempt you from caring. That doesn't exempt you from helping. You can lend a hand, can't you? You, you can give of your time. Your time is valuable, right? It's going to cost you if you take some time out to help somebody else. But you can do that. You can lend of your time. You can share your expertise. You can help somebody get a leg up. You can give them a shoulder to cry on. You can give them an ear to listen to. Yes, it may cost you something. But I believe that when you do it, when you engage, when you show compassion, when you ask, that you will be blessed as a result. That's the beautiful thing about obeying the word of God. It's always tied to a blessing. He said, hey, keep me first. Love me, but also love my people. And I can guarantee you that we, when we take him up on that and begin loving people, God is going to bless us. He's going to rain down his blessings on us. We'll be the one who gets the biggest blessing. I remember when we were in St. Louis and our ministry looked quite different at that time. I was traveling. I was doing youth ministry work and my wife was kind of staying home with the kids doing working a secular job from time to time. But we weren't doing ministry to, together in the church like we do now and like we had done before. And so she, she began to reach out and find ways to get involved and she found this, this battered women's shelter, and she began to go there, and she began to volunteer. She began to recruit people to give supplies and to go and to serve these ladies and to serve. And I, and I, can't, I remember so distinctly after she would go and, and spend her, her morning and spend part of her day, when she would come back in, yes, she would be, she'd be exhausted physically, but she'd be glowing. She, she, she would feel so fulfilled because she had helped someone else. She, she had not just looked at them and said, oh, you know, poor thing. You know, that's so sad what they're going through. But no, she had taken the time to get down in the mess with them, to wrap her arms around them, to show them love. And she was blessed as a result. She was fulfilled as a result. Oh, praise God. Compassion interrupts. Compassion costs. But the third thing, and this is so beautiful, compassion makes a difference. Compassion makes a difference. It truly makes a difference. Love in action makes a difference. It changes lives. Maybe you're here today because somebody allowed themselves to be inconvenienced. Maybe you're here today because somebody allow their compassion to be costly and they got involved with you. And here you are and your life is changed. And they made a huge eternal impact in your life. I want you to think again about the life of Jesus. Follow through the Gospels. Follow through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And watch as time and time again, Jesus is interrupted. He has compassion on somebody. And he was going to this city. And he was going to minister to that person. But because there was a need that was presented, he got interrupted. And he didn't put those people off. He didn't stiff arm them. He didn't say, hey, you're going to have to get on my schedule. 
When there was a need, he ministered to it. He allowed himself to be interrupted time and time again. And then also, he allowed himself to give when there was a need. He gave of his time. He gave of himself to them. He gave of his power and authority. And then as you go through those gospels, you can watch him as he makes a difference in lives. He healed blind eyes. You can watch as he forgives sins. You can watch as he spends time with the outcast of society. You can see time and time again as he cares for those that others didn't care for when you walk through the Gospels. You can watch as Jesus has time for the little children. The disciples wanted to push them away, but Jesus said, no, 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 no. I've got time for them. I'm willing to be inconvenienced for them. You'll see time and again as Jesus allowed himself to have compassion for the widows. And he actually shows a very real and sincere love to prostitutes and to tax collectors. You'll see in the gospel, you can watch as he shows compassion to people with needs. Church, that was his mission He came to seek and save the lost. He came to meet needs, and that's our mission as well. Listen, Jesus felt it so deeply in his spirit that he was compelled to act. He couldn't just see and observe and experience an emotion and have a feeling and then just go his way. He had to act. And yet the truth of the matter is that so many of us are content to walk right on by. So many of us are content. Oh, that's so sad. So terrible. I hope somebody will do something about that. And then we pass by on the other side. We say that we care, but if we don't do something, then we really don't. But church, when we allow our compassion to become an action, a difference is going to be made in lives. So can I encourage you as you leave this place today and as you head out into this new week, will you be willing to be interrupted by a divine appointment from God? Will you be willing to allow your compassion and your love for others to cost you something? Because hear me today, only eternity is going to be able to tell the true difference that you make. You might not see it now, but you will see it in eternity. Church, the truth of the matter is that we're called by God to care. Paul said, hey, you know, I wish I had an army of people, but really all I've got is Timothy. He's the only one who gets it. He's he's the only one who's living this out right now. He's the only one that's loving God and and loving people. He's the only one who really cares and he's thinking about the people and the needs of others and everybody else. They just, they're all wrapped up in themselves. They just spend all their time thinking about themselves and pursuing their wants and their desires. They're not thinking about what matters to Jesus. So what happens when you get closer to Jesus? What's going to take place? What's going to happen? You're going to begin to care more 
about what he cares about. And as you begin to care about the things that Jesus cares about, then you're going to draw closer to him. And you're going to walk in harmony with him. And you're going to have a deeper relationship with him than you ever have before. It's when your heartbeat becomes his heartbeat. It's when the things that grieve the heart of God begin to grieve your heart. You'll have a closeness with the Lord unlike anything you've ever had before. Musicians, would you come? Church, one of the greatest ways to make a difference is through the local church. Does anybody love your church today? I'm not making this up. The church is Jesus' vehicle to save the world. The church, the one he gave his life and shed his blood for, the one that he said the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. The local church is the hope of the world today. So a way to make a difference is through the local church. And around here we call our volunteers, we call them the dream team. That's everybody functioning in their gifting when you have, you know, this one who's good at that and another one who's good at this and you have the arm and you have the leg and you have the eye and you have the ear and you take it and you put it all together. We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And when everyone is functioning in their gifting, if everyone is fulfilling their calling, if everybody is involved in ministry, it's a dream team. It's a beautiful thing. And I want you to know today that serving And a call to serve is in the DNA of the life church. This is the mandate, the biblical mandate of every believer. You're not saved just to go to heaven. You're saved to serve. I said you're saved to serve. You're not saved just so you can sit in a chair and enjoy good music and an encouraging message every now and then. You're saved to serve. Brother Little says that we're pulled out of the trash heap. He pulls us out of the trash heap only to send us back into the trash heap. We've got to pull him out of the fire. We've got to let a burden get on us for lost souls. We're not saved to be put in a museum. We're saved work in a hospital to make a difference for people with needs just as Jesus brought life just as Jesus made a difference everywhere that he went so should you and I as his sons and daughters come on we ought to do what our daddy did we ought ought to do we ought to be about our father's business so hear me today whether you're serving with your gift behind a camera like these guys are today, or whether you're serving in kids' life, working on the kids' life dream team, or whether you're on the parking team, out in the parking lot, or playing a guitar, or maybe you're getting ready to lead a life group in the upcoming life group semester, wherever you are. Maybe you're making coffee on Sunday morning. Thank you, Jody and Lakeitha, for your faithfulness. 
Maybe you're putting out the donuts. Whatever it is that you end up doing, however it is that you end up serving in the local church, listen, you're doing it for one reason, and that's so people who are lost can find God. It's so that people who are on their way to hell can join you on your way to heaven. That's what it's all about. That's what ministry involvement is all about. That's what the dream team is all about. It's about an eternal kingdom. It's about making a difference. Now listen, I I know you can have a ministry outside of the church, and that's fine, and I want you to. As a matter of fact, there's some of you who need to begin a ministry that becomes a nonprofit that works and operates outside of this church. You need to fulfill that dream that God has placed in you. The church isn't the only place you can serve, but listen, it's the least that you can do is get involved in the local church. All of us have a place to serve in the local church. As a matter of fact, in first steps, we always conclude step four of first steps with three statements. And if you haven't joined the dream team yet, you need to make up your mind in February, you're going to go through first steps. You're going to get connected to the church. You're going to find out about our our mission, our vision, and our values. And you can sign up to be a part of the team and help us begin reaching for the souls of our community. But we have three statements we we share in step four. And the first one is this. I want to make a difference. I hope you'll adopt that today. I hope that's how you'll leave feeling today. You know what? God's given me a life. He's given me some tools. He's given me some talents. They might not be the talents that this guy has or that she has, but he's equipped me with some things, and I want to use them for his glory. I want to make a difference. Let me tell you something. That's how you were designed. You were made in the image of God, and he made a difference. So it stands the reason that it's in our DNA as well to make a difference, to serve, to care, to put compassion in action. So the first thing that we say as people join this church is that we want them to adopt that mantra, I want to make a difference. The second statement is this, by doing something that makes a difference. I want to make a difference by doing something. So how do you determine whether something makes a difference or not? What's the litmus test of that? Well, just ask yourself this question. Does it matter? Is it a temporal thing? Or is it eternal? Is it just about the here and now? Or is it going to pay dividends in eternity? Matthew 6, 19 Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Some of us are spending all of our time, effort, and energy on things that don't matter in eternity. We're laying up our treasure on earth. Verse 20 says, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. 
where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen, church, it's about making a difference and not just making a difference. It's about making an eternal difference with your life. I'm almost finished. Thank you for the nice background music. You guys are awesome. I want to make a difference by doing something that makes a difference. Number three, with people who want to make a difference. With people. Hear me today. God will develop you as an individual. But when he gets ready to use you in his kingdom, he's going to put you in a team. In your relationship with God in the early going, it's you and God. You and God, you know, just you and God got your thing going on. But then when you grow and mature and it's ready for you to launch your ministry, you know what he does? He's going to join you up with somebody else. Think about what Jesus did with his disciples when he got ready to send them out. He didn't send them out one by one. He said, hey, I want you two guys to get together. And I want you to go on down the road, and I want you to begin to preach. And I want you two guys, I want y'all to go in this direction. And I want y'all to team up, and I want you to go together. That's why it's called the body of Christ. We're not just out here, some random finger floating around on our own. No, we're connected to the hand. And the hand's connected to the forearm. And the forearm's connected to the, to the, to the upper arm and the shoulder. When he gets ready to use you, he's going to connect you to others. He's going to put you with other people who have the same desire. They want to make their life count. They care enough to make a difference. Why? Because to say that we care and not act is to not care at all. That's sobering today, but I hope it's, I hope it's getting into your spirit. I hope it's working on you a little bit. I hope it's challenging your way of thinking. I hope it's preparing you for that divine appointment that God's already working on for you right now. Would you stand with me? Let me close with this. Would you please stay engaged? Would you please please stay engaged? I believe God's spirit is speaking and moving and ministering right now. We read the story of the paralytic in Mark chapter 2, the paralyzed man. Here's what it says, beginning with verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days. Speaking of Jesus, and it was heard that Jesus was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them house was full you couldn't even get in the door there was no more room for anybody else verse number three it says then they came to him bringing a paralyzed man who was carried by four men four men who saw a need and cared enough to get involved four men who saw a situation Yet they cared enough to act. And when they could not come near him, verse 4, because of the crowd, they didn't give up. 
They didn't say, oh, we tried. No, they would not be denied. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when that they broke through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And I want you to pay attention to what happens next. Verse number five, when Jesus saw their faith, not when Jesus saw the paralyzed man's faith, but when he saw the faith of these four men, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. If you read on, he goes on to heal his body as well. He saw their faith, and because of their faith, they made a difference in somebody's life. But you gotta know, these men were inconvenienced. Jesus didn't have a propaganda team going out, putting billboards up. Hey, on the fifth of the month, he's coming through. There's a crusade. Take off work. Make your plans now. No, but when they heard Jesus was in the area and they knew of a need, they made up in their mind, we're getting this need in the presence of Jesus. We're going to get our friend in the presence of the Lord. They dropped whatever they had planned. They changed their schedule to meet a need. And you can also believe that, you know what, it cost them something. The Bible says that because the house was so full, they went up on the roof and they tore the roof open. Somebody's going to have to repair that. Stands to reason it'd be the guys who did the damage. Whether they had to pay for it, it cost them time. It cost them, but they saw a need. And they weren't content to just settle with a feeling of pity. Oh, poor guy. Somebody ought to pick him up. Somebody ought to help him. Somebody, somebody ought to take him over to that house where Jesus is. No, they got involved. They inconvenienced themselves, and they allowed it to cost them. And they made a difference for this man. Can I tell you today, that's what all of our dream team that's what all of our dream teams do every single service. We're all just working together to get people to the feet of Jesus. That's what it's about. That, that's why we are organized the way that we are. It's because when you do your thing and she does her thing and he does his thing and I do my thing, we're all pulling together. We're all working together to get lost souls in the presence of the Lord, to get people with needs to the feet of Jesus. If you're on the parking team today, listen. You're not just out there in the parking lot smiling and parking cars. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're helping get people to the feet of Jesus. If you're a greeter on the First Impressions team, you're not just opening doors and welcoming people. You're ushering people into the feet of Jesus. If you serve in production, maybe you're back there running a switcher. Maybe you're on one of the consoles or behind one of the cameras. Listen to me. You're not just back there playing with technology. You're bringing people to the feet of Jesus. 
people that are in this building, they're able to hear. They're, they're, able to, they're able to hear clearly and be impacted. They're able to worship along with the singers and the musicians because you make it possible. Those that are watching online today, they're getting to experience the Word of God because you're doing what you're doing and you're bringing them to the feet of Jesus. If you serve in kids' life, if you're on the Kids Life Dream Team, I want you to know today, you're not babysitting. You're leading the next generation. You're bringing, you're carrying the next generation to the feet of Jesus. I'm so thankful for what's happening in our Kids Life ministry. It was a week or so ago, Megan was here in the first service. Megan Chenault's daughter, Brooklyn, was up there. And they're new to Pentecost. They're new to our church. And, and, and Brooklyn was up there. And she told her mom after service, she said, Mom, I don't know what happened, but I just began to feel something I've never felt before. And tears just began. I just began crying. And I don't know why. So Megan told my wife, or maybe it was Sister Renata, she told him, she says, you know what? I'm so thankful that they're feeling up there what we're feeling in here. You're making a difference. Paxton Prance told his mom in Kids Life recently, he said, while I was in there, while I was praying, I heard God call my name. Everyone that serves in any way, you're helping get people to the feet of Jesus. I can't do it by myself. I can't be back there on the media team. I can't be out there greeting. I can't be on the parking team. I can't be up here playing a musician, uh, an instrument because I can't play number one. But I need all these guys. I need all these ladies. We need everybody who's serving in every area to make it happen so somebody can encounter the love of God. So it all works together to bring people to the feet of Jesus. And why do we do that? Because we know if we can just get them to the feet of Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. He'll do what we can't do. When we do what we can He'll do what we can't, and He'll heal them, and He'll forgive them, and He'll love them, and He'll save them. So today as we close this service out, it's a beautiful thing. We all, every single one of us here today, have the opportunity, because of each person who has served today, we all have the opportunity to spend some time at the feet of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.